Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to The Confidence Show, a podcast for the big dreamers who want to create more confidence so they can live their lives on their own terms. Hosted by confidence and life coach Rebecca Hawks, that's me by the way, The Confidence Show was created to inspire you to say yes to the things that scare you, to help you feel less alone when you're struggling with your mindset, and to show you that you truly can design a life you love. With a new episode landing in your feed every Monday and Thursday, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out. Hello and welcome back to The Confidence Show. I am delighted to welcome another guest here today. Today we've got Emma Cossey, who is a coach for freelancers with over 12 years of freelancing experience under her belt. She's a huge fan of tech, apps and automations to make life easier, faster and more fun, especially as someone who has recently been diagnosed with ADHD. She's also the host of the Freelancers Tea Break podcast, where you'll find episodes full of tips, news and discussions for freelancers. Welcome Emma, it's so lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on, I'm really looking forward to this chat. Me too, I can't wait, we were chatting a little bit before we kind of hit record, so we've got so much to dive into, specifically around like ADHD and being being neurodivergent, but before we talk about that, let's just talk a little bit about how you got into freelancing. So what made you decide to become a freelancer and move away from the typical nine to five life? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think like a lot of people, I didn't decide, I fell into it. Um, So I uh, graduated and I went into a job in recruitment, which I was terrible at because I'm no good at cold calling. Um, I moved into a job in HR, um, which I really struggled with because of the attention to detail. And there was also quite a lot of workplace bullying there. So I left that role and I joined Twitter. Um, and this was back in 2009. Um, so I joined Twitter and I was just like, oh, George, just join while I'm looking for other jobs. And I was just looking like for reception jobs or something that didn't require loads of detail and things like that, because I was feeling my self-esteem was just on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed something that I didn't feel would be too challenging. Obviously, some reception jobs are very challenging, but um, I was looking sort of a quiet one. And I saw a couple of the blogs that I loved reading all the way through university were looking for internships and things like that. And uh, Wahonda, which uh, I can't remember what they're now, they're now called, but um, they're like a spa and beauty salon group type thing. Um, and a couple of other people, they all were running internships. Um, so I applied for the internships. Um, I got a couple of them and then from one of those I ended up getting my first job as a freelance editorial assistant Um, 
which blew my mind. I always loved writing. Um, I never thought I could actually do it. So to be able to do some kind of editorial and content writing and things like that um, was incredible. And then from there, I went on and I worked for Aquamedia, who um, did some of the very first fashion blogs, so like Chihuahua and Catwalk Queen and that sort of thing. Um, and that was incredible to be able to just write about shoes and bags and books. And oh, it was wonderful. Um, but ever since then, I've done everything from um, tweeting about um, car programs for um, uh, some of the Sky channels um, to being um, the toothpaste mascot for dancing on ice um so loads of different things on twitter and stuff like that um i also did a lot of online content um social media seemed to be what i was drawn towards um and then eventually uh, my i had my son seven years ago and i retrained as a coach because i had been creating a lot of content to help other people go freelance i felt like it was something that was very overwhelming for people and they don't know it's an option and for me it was just this perfect fit um like I could control things I could do things at my own pace but also do exciting things and no day uh, was the same um and I really wanted to make sure that freelancing was an option out there for people not just like especially for graduates join a graduate scheme that was the only option that was told to me and I would have loved the opportunity to try the kind of buffet career of freelancing yeah absolutely it's so good that you've done so many different roles and as you say there's so much joy in that and in no two days being the same because it can get really monotonous it can get really boring when you're just going to the same place having the same conversations doing the same stuff um what did I want to touch on then I was gonna say something based on what you just said you see this is what my brain does <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh that's so interesting and then forgot that I'm oh, to my God. <laughs> so when it when it came to moving from like your nine to five into freelancing how did you stop yourself from overworking because as you say when you freelance like it becomes so exciting you've got so much that you're doing and you have this passion that you don't necessarily have in your nine to five and one of the things that I am pretty bad at is is overworking so how did you kind of prevent yourself from doing that um I mean pre having a family I didn't really set boundaries because I just kind of went with where my passion was basically and as long as I was able to, you know, still see friends and families and things like that, it didn't really bother me if I was working in the evenings. If I felt like that was a draining thing or something that didn't work for me, then I think I would have set a boundary there. But for me, my freelance work recharges me mm. and therefore I, I didn't feel quite the pressure. But there were things I had to do, like working from home. I'm an introvert. I would have very happily not seen people, but it is very healthy to see people so I had to push myself to go out and do networking co-working so I had to set those kind of boundaries in place I guess um to make sure that I don't go full hermit mm. um and I think the hardest boundaries actually was setting them with myself and other people um because working particularly and you probably know this working from home suddenly you become the go-to person like oh I've got a day off shall I pop around for a coffee and you're like no because I'm actually working I'm working from home and I think the one nice thing about COVID is I think people understand that better now 
Um, but yeah, there's definitely people take it less seriously, I think, when you're freelance or working from home sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not so much now, but um, yeah, or they expect you to be like extra childcare or be the person that's always in for their packages. Christmas is always a fun time for that. <laughs> I think that's actually a harder boundary to set, that one between you and the people around you than necessarily between you and your work. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I like that you just said how like your work recharges you because mm. I go through phases where I feel like that and sometimes like my favorite time to work is between like 9 and midnight and I enjoy it and it feels so good and I love it but then go on social media or like my family are like you shouldn't be working that late like that's no time to work like that's a silly time to sit up till and then that kind of makes me think like oh am I doing something wrong when actually like my work I enjoy my work so why should Mm. I not And, and the whole point of like being a freelancer and working for yourself is to work on your own terms and sometimes I forget that and I definitely resonate with the with the um, feeling recharged from what you're doing um before we like started recording one of the things that we was talking about is the fact that I wanted to chat with you because of a post that I'd seen on your Instagram about recently being diagnosed with ADHD and as we were just discussing it's something that I very much believe that I have what was it what kind of symptoms or patterns did you notice that really led to you seeking the ADHD diagnosis yeah um so I was diagnosed so I'm 37 now but I was diagnosed just before my 37th birthday um so quite a late diagnosed person so um TikTok definitely and I know everyone goes oh but if you're watching TikTok and you're getting it from that it's just because it's trendy the reason TikTok is so popular with neurodivergent people is because it's built for our brains Mm -hmm. it's short easily consumable content everyone's talking about their passions it is built for us. So of course there's going to be a lot more people talking about it on TikTok because there's more of us that love TikTok because of how our brains are built. Um, and I was following a lot of stuff on there. There's a, an account called Struggle Care in particular that was incredible. Actually, I think it's Domestic Blisters on there. She has two different names. Um, and I was reading all this stuff and I was like, this really sounds like me. And I've definitely struggled more since I had my son sort of seven years ago two years in I got diagnosed with anxiety and I've got put in antidepressants and that did help a little bit but I always felt overwhelmed always incredibly tired all the time never woke up feeling refreshed or anything like that um attention to details I mentioned before was never great um I get distracted very easily and the more I was reading about it, and I think I'd already disregard, always disregarded it because I was always so tired. And I was like, oh, people with ADHD have loads of energy. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered inattentive, which is basically where your brain is very busy. Your body might not be, but your brain is very busy. And that's incredibly draining. And I've been on medication now for three weeks and I'm I'm realizing how busy my brain was without even realizing because my energy is so much better now um so yeah the the kind of inattentive gets overlooked in women and girls a lot because it is traditionally the girl at school who maybe is a little bit daydreamy all of their school reports will say things like you know clearly an intelligent child or knows what they're talking about but doesn't see things through could do better we know they've got potential but they're not fulfilling that potential all those kind of things they might also be a bit of they chat too much that kind of thing um so when you go back at your school reports and have a look it is quite 
it's quite amazing to see all those things um and I think another point was when I went to university and suddenly all the structures that had kind of helped me through school were no longer there and I had to motivate myself um and yeah university was a real struggle for me I really really found it very difficult um even small things I know this sounds ridiculous but I found it really difficult to work out where things were on the university map where my classes were and they'll be like I try and find it two or three times and I'd be so embarrassed that I couldn't find it I just wouldn't go to the lessons um and I had to motivate myself and that's a big thing I've learned about ADHD is you have to kickstart your own motivation we the dopamine in our brains um that produces that kind of motivation from my understanding our brains are too efficient and it it works through the dopamine too quickly and gets out of the system too quickly um and therefore me trying to motivate myself to do a piece of coursework I didn't know all the tools that I now know about how to motivate myself and I struggled so much then um so yeah I've gone off on a lot of tangents there which is still the case even on medication um but yeah I guess to summarize um extreme tiredness um struggling to concentrate uh, attention to detail um clumsiness oh and a big one for me was around the house just trying to keep in contact um trying to keep on on top of housework um and then also my son's life stuff mm-hmm. um that became too overwhelming and I couldn't do it and even I would sit on the sofa and think I need to do the dishwasher and I was just rooted to the sofa thinking I need to do the dishwasher I need to do the dishwasher and I couldn't get off the sofa because the dopamine wasn't there my god that sounds so relatable <laughs> I cannot tell you the amount of times like mum will come home from work or mum will say to me like why haven't you washed up and I'm like I couldn't like I can't explain it I'll be like oh I didn't have time I was really busy when actually I could like I, I couldn't physically get up off the sofa to do it and I'm like I know it needs to be done like I know these things I know that the bathroom needs cleaning it needed cleaning yesterday and I'm like I just can't I just can't do it <laughs> you basically have to trick your brain um and I've got my wall actually I have to remind myself there's four things now that I try and do if I need to get something done so either make it fun mm-hmm. so like with the dishwasher um I'll put the Monsters Inc theme tune on it sounds bizarre but there's a TikToker I follow who always uses it and it always makes me think of like really kind of productive and fun yeah. and also I know if I can get the dishwasher done during that time then it's done so I try and make it fun um or it could be um like trying a new recipe or something like that the second thing is make it novel so if I'm doing my accounts I have to do my dad accounts I'll probably get a new notebook or new stationery or something to make it fun cleaning I'll go buy a new cleaning product or something like that Mm. it's costly (laughs) but (laughs) sometimes you have to make it novel um competitive so that's where I might set a timer and say I have to get it done by this time or I say to my son who's going to tidy this room first or my husband I might say or who's going to do this first um and urgent which kind of builds into that but also body doubling um have you heard about body doubling no not at all okay body doubling is where you do something with someone else but they're working their own thing you're working on your own so that could be co-working in a co-working space it could be um I will put on a YouTube video of someone cleaning their house when I'm cleaning my house and that helps 
Um, it could be just somebody talking to you whilst you're doing that job so that your brain can switch off. Mm-hmm. So like I might get my son to come in and tell me about his day whilst I make the dinner or something like that, because it makes my brain switch off and it, I focus on what he's saying instead of all the thoughts my brain saying, stop. That makes so much sense because I, whenever I cook dinner, I'm always like, mum, can you come and sit and chat to me? Or I have to be watching like something on Netflix or I have to, I have to be doing something else. And yeah. what you were saying earlier about the inattentiveness, like my brain does not stop. It goes and goes and goes. And it's like, I have all these ideas and all these things I want to do, but my body is just like, nah, can't do it. And what you were saying as well about being really tired. I have gone on about my tiredness for years and it's always mm. like, take some iron tablets like we'll give you some iron tablets you're low on iron and I'm like yeah but it can't be like even if I sleep for like eight hours sometimes I wake up and I'm like I am so tired today. yeah yeah and 100 percent I was um and it's only now I'm on medication that I realized how bad it was mm. um when I first took the medication it was the bizarrest thing I was sat on the sofa and about half an hour in I was like someone's turned a sound off in the house and it was my brain I hadn't realized like it was like a humming had gone from the house um and my energy is so much better like I'm not forcing myself to do things I'm not saying everyone should do medication but I I am saying I didn't realize how busy and tiring my brain was and exhausting me just by being active and then you had social media and shit and all that it's really challenging it is that's crazy and I think I think it's good that you point out about the medication like not everyone needs it but then also it helps people and there's no shame in taking medication and I think it's a good thing and you need to do what works best for you to be able to do that and as you say you've got so much more energy now just from having the right medication and being being able to move forward with that so that's really really good for you um what was the kind of process like for you in terms of getting the diagnosis and did you feel like you needed the professional diagnosis because this is something I'm trying to decide whether at the moment like part of me is like I mean I don't really want to have to wait for somebody to to give me permission to say that I've got ADHD when I look at all the symptoms and I'm like well that's just me and (laughs) that's me in a nutshell so you feel like you needed that and what was the kind of process like yeah so first of all self-diagnosis is totally valid um and I think every single person I've spoken to who self-diagnosed first and then got diagnosed mm-hmm. uh, yeah well they've got diagnosed basically um I think people know their own brains mm-hmm. and I know there's a lot of people that are going to be like oh no you're just doing it because of a trend but it just when it ticks the boxes and you might just be anyway I'm going to go with tangent. anyway so I went through psychiatry UK so I initially went to the doctor and that process was like two to three years and this was two years ago um and then I went through psychiatry UK um and basically they are an NHS to uh what's it called right to choose partner okay so it's free um like they do have a paid service but basically they've got a letter on there that you can send to the doctor who can refer you and the process is shorter through psychiatry UK now I think I ended up once I went through them I think it took a year and then probably six, nearly six months to go on to titration, which is where they try on tablets and they start you on a small amount for a week and then they up it a little bit. And then so basically they see what works best for you. Mm-hmm. I think the whole, so that I started the process basically at the start of COVID. Um, and it is, I know it's a longer waiting list now. I 
you don't need a diagnosis but when I got my diagnosis I felt like it was giving my brain permission to say to myself it's not your fault Mm. and I think a lot of ADHD people will say that they have the narrative of being lazy and stupid or too loud all those kind of things and suddenly in my brain I was able to say um instead of oh you're really lazy for not doing this thing I can say look your brain really struggles to create the motivation for this Mm. what can we do you know or just something it just felt like the negative voice was removed that was constantly telling me I was lazy and stupid and I had this reason this doctor had told me this is what's going on in your brain this is why you're struggling it's not your fault um that was really powerful for me Mm. um but also there's um the government has a scheme where they can offer you support as someone with ADHD but I don't think you need diagnosis for that I think you can self-refer um which I'll give you the link if you want to pop it in the notes below but that can give you support like um ADHD coaching or if you have any other kind of disabilities um it's called access to work okay um they can give you some more support with that um so you don't need it and it is a personal choice um I am but I needed it to get the medication and also um another thing to think about is uh, at the age of 37 I'm coming into the point where I'm possibly perimenopausal and that makes it a lot harder for people with ADHD um and I felt like I was at a point where I needed the medication so it is a personal decision there's no right or wrong but I found it a really positive experience yeah I can definitely say that and I think even for myself like reading more about ADHD and and like believing that that's exactly what I have just having that it made me feel like it's not my fault and it's like for 32 years I felt like there's something wrong with me and I felt lazy for -hmm. days where I just cannot and I've kind of I've always kind of put it down to anxiety really I've always just thought it was the anxiety there was a time where I got prescribed like antidepressants I never took them but I got prescribed the antidepressants and I've just felt like there's something wrong with me. And even just looking at the ADHD now, I'm just like, well, I'm not lazy. And and the thing is, like, I can achieve, like, I don't know, six weeks worth of work in two weeks. But then if I'm having, like, a crash week, as I've started calling it, I'll beat myself up for not being productive. And I'm like, it doesn't matter that I've just achieved six weeks of work in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to beat myself up because I'm not being productive today. Yeah, and it's called it's called ADS, ADHD para- paralysis. Oh wow! Um, and it often follows a hyperfocus. Mm-hmm. So, ADHD people often have like numerous hobbies. They've tried knitting and and crafting and painting and loads of different things, and they're really into it, and then they're not into it at all. And sometimes that can lead to a crash. That is that is exactly me. And even as a child, like it's, I've talked to mum about this, like going back as to when I was a child used to drive her mad because I'd want to get everything out and I'd be really, really into it and I'd be so focused and I'd do like paint one picture and then I'd be like, no, I'm bored, I want to do something else. Yeah. And she was like, it used to drive me mad because you'd never just sit and do something. I'm like, well, now, yeah. like, that's just my brain. Like, of course that's going to happen. <laughs> and, and actually one of the biggest triggers for me, I forgot about this, is my son was a bigger trigger for working out that I have ADHD because he is your stereotypical garden variety, hyperactive boy, who we're now at the point of, of looking into diagnosis because he's 
the schools confirmed they, they think he has ADHD. I've always thought it ever since he started walking. Um, and yeah, I watch some of the things he does and in a way I think it's good because now I, I, I feel like I can understand him better than most. But if I was a neurodivergent parent, a neurotypical parent, I think I would get a lot more frustrated. But because I'm neurodivergent and learning about it myself, I'm able to support him in a better way and not lose my temper and stuff. Yeah, that's really nice. And I think, as you say, like, because he's still so young, you can start to support him throughout his, like, growth, which is great. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. How has having this diagnosis impacted you? Or not not having the diagnosis, but how has having ADHD impacted you as a parent? Because I don't have any children yet, but it is something that I'd like in the future. And I'm now I'm thinking, oh my God, how am I going to parent with ADHD? And I know so many people do and they yeah. have thriving children, but how how does it how has it impacted you? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a challenge. Um I, I think especially as I am inattentive and he is hyperactive. Um, so I think understanding overstimulation is a massive part of it actually understanding when he's overstimulated or i'm overstimulated um loop earplugs are amazing they block out like 40 percent, 50 percent of the sound so um if he's sort of shouting or screeching i can block it out and it makes it so much easier um but for loads of things i use it actually um it is really challenging in terms of I think I always found it really, really difficult. Um, so I'm trying to remember what the name is, but the thing where people projection dysphoria or something, I can't remember what it's called. Memory is another problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I took rejection quite hard. And I think 
I remember coming out of some, like I took him to a messy play type thing and all the other kids were kind of quietly at their stations and he was running around like all over the place. And I remember getting in the car and crying because I felt that kind of rejection personally. Um, and I, I feel rejections for him more. But I think now understanding my own brain, I'm able to do a lot more with him, a lot more work with his rhythms, a lot more, um, which makes us both happier as well. Um, I don't know. I just feel like understanding my own ADHD has helped me understand his more, but it it is challenging. And we are those that that mother and child that turn up at school, and he might be wearing a Mario hat and like some kind of crazy coat and I just don't care because he's happy and you can kind of I don't know I I find a lot of the mums on a on TikTok in particular their parenting style is perhaps slightly more liberal but fun if that makes sense we kind of prioritize fun because that's where the dopamine goes um you still got to have obviously <laughs> all your rules and your, your things like that in place um but i think adhd parents perhaps prioritize for fun more because they understand that's how things get done that's so that was a very much a ramble sorry <laughs> no not at all but i mean that's that's me like i talk the same as you anyway like i'm constantly going off on tangents my brain's all over the place like I ramble so we love a ramble here don't <laughs> don't apologize in any way shape or form now when it comes to running your business how does the ADHD impact you your schedule and the work that you're able to do so before I was even diagnosed or suspecting I had it I've always loved apps and tools that make things easier automate things for you workflows so always been a big fan of any of those kind of tools um and that's always been something I've built into my business and shared with other freelancers because anything that takes human error out of it is really great. Um, what else have I done? I think the nature of my work has always made it easy for me to get the work done because I love it. I'm passionate about it. I love social media. I love being creative. Um, so that's all been really good. What was the other part of the question? How does it impact you, your schedule and the work that you're able to do? Um, I mean, before I was on the medication, I used to have to take a nap every single day. So I built that into my day. I knew it had to happen. Um, thankfully, I'm not having to do that as much, but I definitely was able to build things around what worked for me and what worked for my brain. Um, I think my biggest challenge has always been my addiction to my phone. And unfortunately, it is a little dopamine machine. So he sits there boops, boosting my dopamine, but not enough to actually get anything done. Mm. So that's something I definitely have had to set boundaries around. Um, and obviously, I'm doing school days now as well. So that kind of limits it. But also that works well because I'm on a shorter deadline, um, which kind of works with my kind of methods of trying to get things done. Um and there's something called Parkinson's theory, where basically the work will take as long as you allow for it to take. Mm -hmm. So because I have a shorter period of time, I get it done in a shorter period of time. And that seems to work quite well for me. Um, yeah. yeah. And connect, just connecting with other neurodivergent people, I think, as well, that's made a, a big impact as well. Yeah. Just feeling like you're not alone and it's not just you. Like when you say about taking naps, like I 
take a nap pretty much every single day as well and sometimes it's not that long sometimes it's literally just like 10-15 minutes sometimes it's like half an hour but I do I have to factor into my day as well like a chunk of time it might not even be to nap I might need like two hours in the afternoon to just sit and watch Netflix and that's what I do and then I have my brain telling me that I should be doing this and I should be doing that and this isn't how successful people work and what are people going to think but but I need that because I literally just can't I I, I just have to sit (laughs) yeah and that's that's what I do so I I because your brain is constantly going and you don't realize how many things and you probably don't even feel like it's that busy because it's it's the background noise of all those things that aren't necessarily like words you can hear in your head but they're just all the thoughts and all the feelings in the background um yeah it's exhausting sometimes it like makes my like head and my eyes like ache not like a headache yeah like this like pressure in my eyes and I'm just like oh my god will you just stop thinking yeah I get it around the jaw as well really yeah but I know exactly what you mean it's like a tenseness of like trying to mask it probably is almost like a physical masking because that is another part of ADHD that we spend our entire lives masking as a neurotypical person and I think a big thing that a lot of people face when they get their diagnosis is a mourning period where they're mourning the person that they could have been the life that they could have had all those times that they struggled and all those times that they masked and you kind of do have a demasking thing where you suddenly maybe are Um, more spontaneous or you do more things that you've always wanted to do and some people get diagnosed and they suddenly go out and they dye their hair crazy colors and things like that because they feel like it's permission to finally be the neurodivergent that they always have been yeah I completely understand that I feel like I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily having like a morning period as such but there have been moments where I've like reflected or I've looked Mm -hmm. back and the whole like idea of never never really living up to what you're able to achieve like I know that I could achieve so much but it just has never happened and like I've worked hard I've tried different things I've followed different like I feel like I've done all the things and I'm like why am I not where I want to be and now it's like oh well that's because your brain's different so now it's a bit for me it's a bit of a a bit of a morning but also it's a bit of a well how are we going to get you there to where you want to be but in a completely different way and that kind of leads me on to the next question because a lot of the advice that we see online comes from neurotypical coaches, mentors and consultants, yet their advice doesn't work for neurodivergent people. And that can be so frustrating and stressful for people who don't realise they're neurodivergent like me, um, or perhaps they do know, but don't best know how to manage it. Um, And as I just said, like I've struggled for years following the advice of other coaches to the letter. I can't tell you the amount of courses, the amount of programmes I've done. And I've done exactly what they've told me to step by step I've been like the model student and I haven't seen results and part of me is like oh well it's just me like I'm the problem like I it's my fault and I suppose in some ways it's like it is my brain but it's not like I'm not (laughs) there's nothing wrong with me just because I couldn't do what they were doing um so can you talk a little bit about how or why neurotypical advice doesn't work for you and for neurodivergent people and what you've learned to do instead so that you can still be successful um I mean first of all completely relate to that I've spent so much money over the years on other people's courses and their trainings and things like that and thankfully there are certain people out there that are coming out as like they're saying that they're neurodivergent so 
off the top of my head, Denise Stuffer Thomas has, Elizabeth Goddard has, um, and someone else as well. But the thing that neurotypical things always seem to talk about is consistency. Mm-hmm. And that does not work for us. No. Nope. It's boring. <laughs> yeah. And it's tra- and it makes us feel trapped. Um, and actually I really like I think Elizabeth Goddard is a big one for this. Um, she talks a lot about experimenting and trying things and just putting them out there. And she obviously has quite a lot of different courses and she she puts out lots of different courses regularly and she's a huge success. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of look to her as a role model quite a lot, I think, mm-hmm. because I like that idea of experimenting and having fun in your business. And I think you almost have to unlearn as a neurodivergent and uh, and as an ADHD person, because people with autism may find it different because they are much, they often do much better with structure and things like that um, and routines. So consistency might be more suited to them. But those with ADHD, we need something fun. We need something fresh. We need to make it novel. So almost let go of consistency. Um, and I, I now think of it as I'm going to be consistent showing up. I'm not going to be consistent about what I do, but like this week I might do a newsletter, a podcast, um, an Instagram reel next week. I might focus on LinkedIn a bit more, or Mm. I might do some cool graphic or something like that. Have a lot of fun with it. I think is a big thing. Um, and I think that's why neurotypical stuff doesn't work because theirs is very process driven, consistent. We're not process driven. (laughs) Structure actually works really well for neurodivergence, but they have to be, um specifically for adhd people there has to be flexibility in there there has to be the pick and mix style of choosing what you're going to do and i think that would be the the biggest thing i would suggest to people is just let go of this idea of consistency that neurotypical advice throws down our shoves down our throat yeah that's so true i literally wrote a post about this the other day about the whole consistency thing because i'm like I have tried for years to be consistent and I'll have a period where I'm really consistent. I do the thing. I'm on Instagram every day, whatever. And then I hit a point where I just can't and then it stops. And then I beat myself up because I'm not consistent. And then people tell me that I need to be consistent to be successful. And I'm like, yeah, but I just can't. (laughs) And I'll, I'll do the thing where I'll give myself the structure and I'll create the plan and I'll have the plan and I'll look at the plan and I'll go, oh my God, this feels so constrictive. I don't want to do any of it. So then yep. I'll be like, nah, not doing anything at all. <laughs> and I'll yep. like away. And even like even recently, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna create one course and I'm gonna focus on one course. I tried selling one course for the whole of last year. I was like, that's gonna be my focus. And it just did not work. And it yep. got to the point where I like resented this thing that I'd created because it wasn't fun, because I was sick of talking about it, because no one was buying it. And then I have loads of other ideas all the time. And I'm like, well, there's no point me creating those things because what if no one buys or I don't want to launch or I don't want to follow this process. And now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just do whatever I want whenever I want and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, just have fun with it. And Ruth Poundwhite talks about it a lot as well. I did, uh, She did like a pop-up boxer group thing and, and there was a lot of talk in there about, you know, just experiment, try things and go with what you're like, wake up one day and just go with what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Some things do need consistency. Um, and that's where I hire in a neurotypical. <laughs> so my, my VA is lovely. She is very neurotypical. She's brilliant. So my newsletters need to go out every week. That is something I am consistent about. Um, we plan out the content at the start of the month. I send her, or oh, there's a Google doc with the content in there that I create. 
and then she does all the scheduling and the formatting the stuff that the the finishing stuff that I cannot do she's my favorite finisher but she also knows that I will plan out that content and sometimes I get to that where you can go I don't really want to talk about that I'm going to change the subject I'll talk about something else it's fine like it doesn't matter um nobody nobody knows that I've gone off plan um and I think when you treat it yeah spontaneously it all becomes a lot more fun yeah absolutely absolutely I'm gonna look at ways that I can bring more fun back into my business now and I feel like I've started to do that recently like I had an idea the other day and I was like yeah I'm just gonna go with this and we'll see what happens and there's been some interest I'm like oh it does like it does pay to like actually just follow the spontaneity as you say um I think one of the ADHD symptoms that I've kind of seen or heard about is that feeling like maybe you're not good enough or feeling stuck in perfectionism and sometimes being completely frozen from taking action, which we kind of talked about earlier, because we don't feel like we'll get it right. So what's like, what's the point in doing it anyway? If we're not going to get it right, why bother? How have you found the confidence to be messy and unpolished and show up for yourself and your business without letting those thoughts take over and prevent you from moving forward? Or putting my coaching hat on perfectionism is basically your brain's way of um, stopping you getting hurt or putting something out that might um, give you some rejection so uh, the brain is basically saying look it needs to be perfect or I can't put it out there because I cannot deal with any kind of rejection Um, but kind of done is better than perfect is a massive mantra of mine I would rather put stuff out that is a little bit messy and also I'm quite I think I'm quite honest now on social that I am a bit messy and everything about my business is it going to be a bit messy and that's okay because stuff gets done my clients are happy my client work isn't messy it's just sometimes some of my processes might be or it all might be a little bit last minute and things like that mm-hmm. making peace with being messy I think and then being honest about it is and I think as a freelancer that can be really difficult because you don't want to be like that with clients and it depends what your client basis is um but yeah making peace with messiness and that that is a part of fun as well um and maybe reframing messiness as as just having fun because like if you think about when you're a kid getting messy meant that you were having fun you know you'd be painting and you make a bit of a mess but you'd be doing something you were really proud of um so yeah but I think or just maybe remembering that perfection is your body's way or your brain's way of stopping you being rejected but if you don't put anything out there that's almost worse than being rejected and the rejection is just not there anyway that's kind of like you're like rejecting yourself really isn't it yeah you're you're rejecting yourself before anyone else can reject you which is not not great the number of freelancers I speak to who are waiting for their website to be perfect or their package to be perfect or their logo to be perfect I'm just like just get out there and you could already have a client and then that would give you the money to do those things but stop waiting for all these things to be perfect and ready and find the perfect niche oh that's a big bugbear of mine all these things stop waiting because that is holding you back from growing your business Mm, absolutely absolutely such good advice um before we go what would be your biggest piece of advice for running a business for anyone who is neurodivergent and do you have any kind of resources that you can point us in the direction of for ADHD people so uh, get yourself a community of other people who get it um 
if you are neurodivergent, surround yourself or follow accounts because it would just, it gives you permission to be who you are. Um, so that would probably be my biggest advice is it just follow people. And it's just such a relief to just watch like a TikTok and just see someone else who gets it and you don't feel like, you know, the whole lazy and stupid things. You're like, th these people are clearly intelligent and feel the same way as I do. Um, so yeah, I think that would probably be my biggest one is, is, is surround yourself by people who get it. Right, good resources. So I mentioned Struggle Care, who is also Domestic Blisters on TikTok. She has an incredible book called um, Keeping House While Drowning. I think that's what it's called. I recommend it for every single ADHD person I know because she talks a lot about how... And it is it is more about housework and looking after yourself, self-care. But actually, I think it could be applied to a lot of things. But how... Um, like cleaning and stuff like that these are not morally they're they're morally sorry they are morally mutual tasks so emptying the dishwasher it's not morally positive it's not morally negative I'm not a bad person if I don't do the dishwasher straight away I mean if I leave it three weeks it's not <laughs> ideal but it doesn't mean I'm a bad person um and it takes a lot of the emotional pressure of how you feel and the negativity um, I really, really recommend her book. And she talks a bit more. She recently got diagnosed with ADHD as well. Um, there is a guy who I'm going to have to um, send you his details underneath. He does some amazing tweets about um, ADHD. And it was through him, actually, that I found the, the sort of fun, novel, competitive, urgent, jump-starting to motivation. Um, so I'm really sorry I've forgotten his name, but I will pop it below, uh, but give you the information um who else is there? there's a lady on youtube who i'll give you the details to who talks about adhd and all the different ways that it affects you but in really short and sweet videos um there are some adhd podcasts but it blows my mind that they're like an hour long <laughs> people with adhd don't have that, <laughs> that patience so um yes i'm probably not going to recommend them um but yeah i would say Domestic blisters is the best place to start, especially if you're a woman. Um, but I'll give you the details of the other guy as well because it's fantastic. Amazing. That'll be so, so helpful. And it's gonna it's gonna be so interesting for me to dive even deeper down the ADHD rabbit hole. Um, so thank you so much for being here, Emma. I've really, really loved this chat. Where can we find you if we want to know more? Yeah, so you can find me at freelancelifestyle.co.uk. Um, I have a Facebook group called The Freelance Lifestylers and loads of us are neurodivergent, so feel free to come join us. Um, the I have a podcast called The Freelancers Tea Break, which is usually less than 10 minutes, so very ADHD friendly. Um, and I am Emma Cossey on most social media um, uh, places. Amazing. Thanks so much for being here and we will see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to The Confidence Show with me, Rebecca Hawkes. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 30 seconds to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This will help the podcast reach more people, which means we can help more people increase their confidence and love themselves for who they are. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and I will see you next time. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.